0: and welcome to Delving Into Draft. My name is Craig and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me as always is... Steve! Steve. This is episode 5. Now I'll quickly do a roundup of how to get in contact with us. Our main portal call is delvingintodraft.tumblr.com. We're also on Facebook as Delving Into Draft. Our email is delvingintodraft.gmail.com. And finally, I'm on Twitter as Ravak underscore. That's R-A-V-A-K underscore. Right, so jumping straight into the news, uh, reason why want to probe Play news this week. So there were two Grand Prix last weekend and I totally forgot to mention one on the last show. So apologies for that. Um the first Grand Prix we're going to talk about is a Pochem, which was in Germany and that was a standard format, and the winner was some little known Czech guy known as Martin Jusa. Dunno have you heard of him before?
1: Uh oh, I haven't heard of him before, no.
0: Nah. Apparently this is for GP one, but I I honestly have no idea who this guy is. No. Yeah. Complete unknown. Uh, the GP I totally forgot about by accident, I'm not entirely sure how I did it, was, uh, Charleston in South Carolina. Uh, that was also standard, and the winner of that was a uh, John Boulding.
1: Hmm.
0: Um next weekend, so that's November the 24th and 25th, there's another two Grand Prix. There's one in Taipei in Taiwan, and there's another one in San Antonio in Texas. Uh, Taipei is gonna be sealed slash draft, let's return to Ravnica, and San Antonio is gonna be standard, so, there you go.
1: No, <laughs>
0: I've got a feeling San Antonio, I'm not sure, there was definitely a Grand Prix in Texas. I'm not sure if San Antonio or the next one coming up that was intentionally changed to standard.
1: Ah, uh, right, Let's see.
0: Because I think there was somewhere, there was going to be a gap where the America, or North America, wasn't going to get um, a standard tournament in a particular format, so they had to change a Grand Prix from one format to another. And I'm not sure if San Antonio or another one in Texas, but
1: yeah, it's a bit odd, you know, because all the rest are sealed? Oh,
0: no, I think the rest were limited to Return to Ravnica, but there was going to be no standard pre gay crash, or there was going to be no standard in gay crash. As I say, I'm not sure if it's San Antonio or a future Texan.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay. The last piece of news uh, is Magic Online news. So, uh, starting, actually, just an hour ago from when we were recording, and this is Wednesday, uh, until next Wednesday, which is the 20th of November... There's Master's Edition Flashbacks. So Master's Edition is a special Magic Online only draft format. The boosters are made up of cards from uh, Legacy and Vintage, which you couldn't otherwise get because like the sets aren't available on Magic Online. So they are sort of a best of collection. And these, there's queues back for this format or all four formats saying there's four Master Editions. And as I say, that's going to be around until next Wednesday. So the different ways you can play, there's four booster sealed queues, which will cost you 20 tickets, and for that you get a booster of ma- a Master Edition, a booster of Master Edition 2, booster of Master Edition 3, and a booster of Master Edition 4, um, which technically have ne- they've never been drafted together before, so it's going to be a completely new format for everyone involved. Um, there's also 64 player uh, top 8 premium drafts which rotate between the 4 sets and they run every hour. So like 1 hour will be Master Edition, next hour will be Master Edition 2, next hour 3, next hour 4. Um, so the entry for that is 20 tickets or 6 tickets plus 3 boosters of the appropriate set. Uh, finally, and I think this is not connected, there's going to be constructed gold uh, 2 player queues. So the entry for this is 10 tickets. The winner... It gets five boosters, the loser obviously gets nothing, and the different formats you can play are Return to Round, Block Constructed, Standard, Modern, and Legacy. So, what, it, you're a What
1: makes them good... gold, Craig? Sorry? What makes them gold?
0: Uh, the fact that the prize payout is pretty ridiculous. So, I mean, uh-huh. ten tickets, you get five boosters in return, that's basically twenty tickets worth of boosters.
1: Alright, oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: I mean, that both players put ten tickets in, twenty tickets come out, it's just one person walks away with all the support, and the other person walks away with nothing. Hmm. So, if you want to seriously uh, try out a deck, construct a deck, you need um trying, and you want to get some real competition, and this is the best way to do it. And hmm. I'm pretty sure that also runs until downtime next Wednesday, again the 28th of November. Right. um going to start off with personal topics today, and we don't really have individual personal topics. I think we just got topics to talk about in general. Um, so. I think we mentioned a couple of weeks back about uh two player draft format. I think I briefly touched upon that.
1: Yeah, we talked about um was it Rochester? Or Winchester draft?
0: I think it was possibly. I'm trying to remember now. I, I was gonna say Winston, but we possibly touched on Rochester as well. Hmm. Um so yeah, this is going back in time a bit, but after the PTQ, which again was uh, two weekends ago, the day afterwards, uh, Dan came over. I'd got some boosters as support for being a judge, which was uh, very generous of them, and we decided to play some two-player sealed because we had boosters. I wanted to open them, but don't open boosters.
1: <laughs>
0: as uh, this has become my my saying in real life, in all honesty, I'm not just. I kind of took that from episode two, and I've been saying it all the time. I think I've been shouting it at some people, actually.
1: Um, Have you been applying it to other aspects of your life, Craig? Uh,
0: there's not many boosters in other parts of my <laughs> life. I mean...
1: I, I don't know, I don't know.
0: If you, so, if you can think I... of something... <laughs> <laughs> you can think on it. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I've been playing in other parts of my life, but I've, I've definitely been doing it with my magic boosters. I don't think I've opened one unless I've had a game to play with it.
1: Yeah, Yes. Yeah. So,
0: so um, yeah, me and Dan played... Yeah, I think it was uh, yeah I got eighteen boosters, so it'd have been three things. So we tried out Winston, which I think I described before, is where you basically you mix all six boosters together, you have a big pile of cards, and then you have you take a card off the top, and make three little piles, and you go round, you look at one of the piles, and you either decide to take the entire pile or you add another card to it, and you look at another pile, and um, it does become a game where it's either quality or quantity, and some information is known. And some information is hidden, and uh, that was all right.
1: <laughs> so I, it was Return to Ravnica. you were doing this one.
0: Yeah, this was. I got, oh, oh, yeah, I got Return to Ravnica boosters as judge support, which was.
1: Yeah. So how did, how did you find it then? Did you end up having to put uh, like a four color deck, or did you get quite a consistent deck? I'm pretty thing? sure
0: all three sealed. I played four color. It was a different color. I missed out each time. I think Dan. I also think was four color, four color, and three color in one of the drafts. Mm. So one thing about two-player drafting, or at least in Return to raptor, I thought to be honest, I think it's probably applicable anywhere. Is you are going to be playing multiple colors.
1: Yeah, because
0: yeah. you're not you're not able to filter out. You know, you're not able to kind of take the like make a, a niche for yourself. Kind of going, like, I'm the white green player. It's a bit harder to do uh. when you kind of grab piles, which also have red cards, blue cards, and black cards. It's hard to do that. I mean, um, so that is one interesting thing about it. And, yeah, the games went okay. I am pretty sure Dan won both. He was able to grab a lot more rares than me, and I think he just saw rares, and then he was able to take them. I mean, there's, there's another problem, is where the rares appear, you don't know. I mean, it's not like you're definitely going to see one to start off with, and see one a third of the way through, and see one you know two thirds of the way through as you do a normal sealed, or sorry, normal draft. So,
1: I see that's that's your mistake playing a, a luck based format with Dan. He's got he's got unfair amounts of spawniness.
0: He does. He he, he has a <laughs> minus touch to him. He you know he he opens a booster and he gets some ridiculous rare with every booster he opens.
1: Yeah. Dan is one person that doesn't live by the "Don't open boosters" rule.
0: No, because he, <laughs> he, he just has quality. I don't, I, I don't know what he does. He must, he must like somehow have X-ray vision and just see the good
1: boosters. I'm pretty sure he's got a way of resealing booster packs. and He sits and opens them all, and he's got a press somewhere, irons them shut again.
0: That wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. His luck is just ridiculous. Yeah. We also tried um, Rochester drafting, which. I can't remember what we have mentioned before, but Rochester is where you draft effectively face up.
1: Yeah, I think we mentioned this already. I think we did. Where, yeah, you, you, everything's free information, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So one person opens a booster. One, one person opens one of their boosters, and it's all face up, in it and everybody can see, and you see all the picks people make. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like you know, um, oh sorry, the other thing about it is. It kind of snakes back and forth, so like, if you're taking, if you're going first,
1: Uh
0: then the other person gets the next two picks. In a two-player, uh, Rochester, at least.
1: Oh, see. It goes 1,
0: 2, 2, 1, 1, 2, 2, 1, 1, 2, 2. Yep. If you had eight players, it'd go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So it it snakes back and forth. So if you get the first pick, then yeah, you probably get the best card, but then you're probably gonna end up with or worse, cars cards end up in. So
1: yeah, That's right.
0: So like, if you open a booster, you need to pay t- pay attention to any two card combos.
1: Ah, right, yeah.
0: And uh yeah, there's there's a lot. Of, hate, hate drafting becomes a lot more interesting. It's a lot easier to do, but you need to be careful that you're not hurting yourself by doing it as well.
1: Yeah, because everybody knows who's hate drafting, and they may just hate draft back out of spite.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it I'm sure pretty confident. I mean, I've never done a Rochester draft with eight people, I've only done it, me and Dan, the once, but it was, uh, very interesting, and I think we both ended up not going the colours we thought because we just hated so much.
1: Like <laughs> yeah, I, being like, in the colours we hated.
0: Yeah, I think, like, I think I saw Dan maybe go Azorius, and then I just hated the really Azorius, and then end up playing Azorius myself. So. <laughs> Although I think that, I mean, have you seen the latest picture posted up on, um Tumblr and Twitter and all that? There's a picture of my Azores Elecutors, Right. Which I think I first picked. With five counters on it. And although you can't tell, that was also at the beginning of upkeep. I won with Azores Elecutors' alternate win condition.
1: Hey, right.
0: I have lived the dream. Yay! So, uh, that, that, I think that was, the, that was the one win I got against Dan. Um, yeah. But it was the best win. So I'm all chuffed.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I've been beaten by Elocutors before just by not being able to get the damage through. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely an achievement.
0: And then I think i almost got him in the... Uh, the other thing was, I could have killed him, but I was intentionally going, now nah, I want to win with allocutors, I'm not going to...
1: Ah, you. That's bad cheese. that Bad ah. form, old chap. Bad form. Oh,
0: no, no, no. No, no, no. I had allocators for four counters. It's like, I could swing in and kill you. Or I can just wait.
1: Yeah. I used to, well, we still play with this guy, a uh, uh, guy in our playgroup. group he used to make decks that had really complicated combo wins, but he always made really good control decks, and he's quite a good player, so you could never really get through them, and he'd just make these uh, situations where you just couldn't win. And then you'd be like, well, you've got the power on board to kill me. Why don't you kill me? He's like, no, 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 no. just one more time, one more time. And he draws card. and wouldn't be, oh no, just one more time, one more time. And it's like, nah, I scoop. <laughs> it's like, oh, I said, when you've got the opportunity to win, you should just win. I'll be <laughs> honest. <You're> being rude. <laughs> if this were a
0: Friday night magic, I would have just swung Twilly lethal.
1: Yeah. But yeah. saying
0: it was just me and Dan, and I really wanted to do the allocator's route. <laughs> I just waited it out, and then I got the allocutors, and I was like, yeah! I think the game afterwards, I also had the opportunity to go the allocutors route, but I just bashed it to kill him. With still yeah. three counters and allocutors. You know, cause I'd done it the once, that's all I wanted to do. I just, I wanted to win allocutors the once, I've done it, so it's my system, I can now use it as a 2-5 defender. Sorry, 3-5 defender, you know. So, mm-hmm. going on to another draft format, this is something I'm, be- I'm wanting to do, but I have not yet presently done, which is rotisserie drafting.
1: Alright, this isn't what I've heard of.
0: Um, What you do, you you need to decide what you're going to rotisserie draft. So whether you're rotisserie draft your cube, or you can rotisserie draft a magic set. So what I'm personally thinking of doing is rotisserie drafting with Innistrad and Dark Ascension. So what you do is you get one of every card from Innistrad and Dark Ascension, in my particular case. You lay it all out on the table. And a bit like how you do Rochester drafting, where you kind of snake down from one to eight, and then eight back up to one. Everybody takes a card. From the entire set.
1: <laughs>
0: if you're first, then you've got every single card in Stranded, every single card in Dark Ascension, and you get pick one. And then the next person gets pick two, and then you have to build up a uh, playable deck, but you're picking from one off the entire set, mm. which is probably going to be time intensive, and I'm not entirely sure how this is going to work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining the, uh, you know, the end part of the night on a Friday night Magic, where everybody's Making their picks.
0: For the rare drafting, yeah.
1: How they agonise over the rare drafting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking this is going to take a long time, Craig. At the big table.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking once I get enough people for rotisserie drafting, I'm going to start an email, uh, a group email, where everybody just says what they want, because you can't hide what you're taking either. Yeah. Because it's, it's a bit obvious when you lean over and go, I'll take Olivia. Uh, you know, so... I'll try this by email as much as I can, and hopefully we'll have decks before we actually sit down to play, and that also saves me actually having to lay everything out and getting a big enough table, but.
1: Yeah, it saves everybody having to have every card from the set as well, I suppose.
0: Well, they don't need every card from the set. I've got almost every card. I'll have to borrow a few, assuming they're played. Hmm. But, uh, I, I do almost have one of every single card. Uh, I've just, there's a few mythics I don't have, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure we can fill the gaps with, between us, you know?
0: So, yeah, that, that's another draft format, which um, I honestly have no idea how that plays. But what, here, here's a good question. You have all of Innistrad and Dark Ascension in front of you. What the hell do you take as your first card?
1: Hmm. Knowing
0: that you're not going to get another pick until pick 16, because of how a snake's down.
1: Right. Eight and then uh, back up
0: again. So you can't say, like, if you're player 8, I certainly know the two cards I want to take are, assuming they're still there. Yeah. That's pretty easy. That is called Butcher's Cleaver and Invisible Stalker.
1: Oh, not Lingering Souls.
0: Oh, no, no. What, Lingering Souls and Intangible Virtue? Or Midnight Haunting? or
1: No, I'm also thinking Unburial Rites would be a very good card to have.
0: <laughs> I mean, that definitely screams what sort of, what you're wanting to play.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, like, if you take, uh, some big ridiculous guy, start with, it, and, and it's very obvious you're not intending playing it honestly. Somebody might take the, the unburial rights off you. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, this ah. is, uh, this is part of the fun I think of rotisserie draft
1: now. Yeah. Man. I think that's maybe one for a whole day. I think you just say, right, we're gonna start this in the morning and we'll play all day. Because mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter about the time so much. Mm-hmm. Rather than try to do it on an afternoon or a night.
0: Definitely, like, I, I was planning to do this on a weekend, hmm. and i say we can get the deck building out, the well, the, the picking out the way before we actually sit down, and that gives us more time as well, but...
1: Yeah, I like what we did the other day, we, uh, it was our Thursday Night Magic group got together, and uh, we were, we drafted Return to Ravnica, mm-hmm. but instead of drafting with normal Swiss parents in mind, we drafted it for multiplayer. And just played it as if it was a game of Commander Free-for-All. Yeah. So, that was interesting. Just made, it, made cards like, uh, Lobber Crew, and what was the one you were playing? Skull Rend. Skull yeah, it made those a lot more interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: The phrase each player on the card.
0: Yep, definitely. I, I think I got picked on for my Skull because I, I posted a picture up. I was third in the first game. And then I was fifth out of five in the next two games. Even when I didn't pose any threat. Like in game two I had two mana out and hadn't played anything and you just killed me off.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> because you were the only person with no creatures on the table.
0: <laughs> yeah, you 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 were just picking on me because I said I had skull rends. Yeah. Mean.
1: Although, there was a lot to be said for uh, being the guy who was countering your skull rends.
0: True, that did win <laughs> you a lot of favour I, I saw. Yeah. yeah. Betrayed, betrayed by my own kind.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, is there any other draft formats you want to try out?
0: Um, so aside from metissery drafting, I did suggest something else, mm. which potentially segues into what I would like to talk about next, which is build our own draft. Yeah. Which is where each of the players creates their own magic cards, and yeah. then you basically cube draft with them all.
1: Okay, so how hmm. how do you get balanced magic cards if everyone's well, creating their own?
0: Because when somebody creates them, they sort of hand them off to another player who then makes sure they're balanced.
1: Hmm. Oh, so like a, an editor. Everybody yeah. edits each other's cards. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: There's no point creating an unbalanced card because the chance of you getting it is, what, 12.5% of the same people. Yeah, I mean, if you just have a, a zero-cost artifact which says tap you in the game or something like that. Mm. Then that's a bit stupid because you're not probably going to get that and you're not really making it fun and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, there, it, it, you create your cards and then it's passed on to another player who then edits them. So then the other good thing about that is you're not entirely sure what your own cards do. Yeah. And when you see them again, you, you need to read them again just to go, what's changed of anything? And uh, I think... If we do this, then, you know, you're going to have to create so many cards of each colour and uh, to different rarities and stuff like that. So it's not just like everybody creates blue cards because everybody wants to play blue and then yeah. everybody just playing mono blue and then it's very boring.
1: You could follow normal cube rules. Like, well, with my cube, I've got 60 of each colour, 60 artifacts, 60 land and 60 multicard But I'm going to be changing that to 50 of each. And having 50 hybrid cards as well. Okay. But, I mean, you could uh, use that. I mean, that actually gives you about, I think, about 100 cards more than you need for an eight-player draft. I can't remember exactly. But I think you could probably draft a 10-person draft if you used the entire cube with that. Yes. So you maybe wouldn't need as many cards. You could maybe do 45 cards per type.
0: I will work out the organization for this. If it gets to the point where we're doing this,
1: it would be very cool.
0: Yes, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, at the moment, I've got five people interested, I think.
1: Yeah,
0: and nobody's specifically said whether they want to do rotisserie or build our own. So,
1: hmm. I'm I'm definitely up for uh, building our own.
0: Yay! Got six <laughs> person. So, yeah. Um. Aside from doing this, either um. A rotisserie draft or build our own draft there's something i've been working on uh for a week now i want to say um hmm. with build our own in mind i've been working on my own magic set right um, because there's a lovely little application you can get called magic set editor and it allows you to create your own magic cards which are pretty well done like the fonts are basically right and the card arts basically right well you need to find your own art yourself but you know the Template is correct. So I've been working on my own magic set, because it's something I just wanted to do for a while. Just for my own gratification, not for any specific purpose, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure I can think of one when I get to it. So that's... Uh, it's interesting trying to design a set over a cube, because with a cube, everything's overpowered in some way or another, generally. yeah. yeah. And you don't really have to worry about balancing, and you don't really have to think about... Rarity distribution and how it works in a draft, cause, you know, you're not, it, 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 it's all very different when you're trying to build something where, you know, you need to have sort of creatures at every drop and like, decent amount of spells which are scattered around and making sure that, you know, blue does its thing and black does its thing, cause you can't just, cause ideally when you're making your own cards, you don't just want to copy cards, like you don't just want to, cause then you're just cube, making a cube basically.
1: Tell, tell that to the makers of Towering Indrick. <laughs>
0: A four-legged spider.
1: Yeah, four-legged spider.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few cards I've created which are basically cards which already exist, but that's yeah, because... Yeah, Yeah, so it, it's been interesting. At the moment, I've only got down my 60 commons. I'm kind of building a small set at the moment. I'm not sure if I'm expanding that. Hmm. And I haven't quite fleshed out the area. I've created one new mechanic. Okay. Um, I wonder what you think of it. So, the Mechanical Code Transfer... And it has a mana cost attached to it. So at the moment, I'm looking at a creature which has transfer two and a white. A transfer reads, when this creature enters the battlefield, you may pay two and a white. If you do, gain control of target aura and attach it to this creature.
1: All right. Okay. That's uh, (laughs) interesting.
0: Um, Yeah. So the idea is either you you drop this creature and you pay, I mean, compared compared to the mana cost, like this is a one drop creature. It's a one, one. and one once in my, in the format I'm, I'm aiming to basically do nothing. Yeah. So it's a rubbish card if you don't do the transfer. But the whole idea of transfer is, you grab a, a boosting enchantment, you know, something like Pursuit of Flight where he gets plus two plus two. And then all of a sudden you got a three three for four. Which isn't yeah. too bad. And you, you made one of his guys weaker. Or you grab something like Arrest. Or Passivism. A card yeah. like that. And you get it off one of your big creatures and your little guy just sits there kind of going, well I can't do anything, but then I wasn't going to do anything anyways. So, this is, this is a minor theme, I think, which is in my set, but it was uh, a, it was something new and novel, which I I don't think they've done anything, like, they've done aura swap before, but it's not quite the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's just a really powerful ability, though. It is, it's a,
0: it's a, it is expense, it's aggressively costed, and to counteract it, I've been, uh, I mean, as I say, I've been thinking about making this a set. A lot of my auras have affinity for auras. Alright, okay. So auras, if you're playing auras, they do come in cheaper than you'd expect because of this sort of downside of people taking transfer cards and maybe stealing the auras off of you.
1: Yeah, because I think the problem we've got is auras are generally seen as a as a liability like, liability yeah. anyway. Yes. Just because of the whole two for one thing, and they need to be pretty good to justify playing them, and then cards specifically designed to steal them. Would make them even worse.
0: Yeah, which is why I've I basically all the enchantments I've got are either very cheap or they give a big upside or they've got the affinity for aura. So the whole point is, I I like I've recognised the idea that if I make enchantments less attractive because of transfer, no one's going to play them. Which is why I've deliberately tried to make enchantments more attractive by making them cheaper, making them more powerful, and if you play multiples, then they're excessively cheap. Yeah. But we'll see, like, this will be a work of progress, because at the moment I've only got transfer, which is not good, it's not something which is really going to wow you over. It's not like landfall or double-faced cards or anything like that. It's not really that spectacular. <laughs> so, um I am going to be needing proper, well, more uh, flashy mechanics which make the set work. I'm going to have to redo cards in light of this, and obviously I'm going to have to adjust things as I go into uncommon and rare and mythic rare.
1: Yeah, have you got like an overall theme for your set that you thought?
0: I do, but I want to raise something at the end so I don't want to go into the theme. Alright, okay. This will make more sense when we get to the end of the podcast when I've got something to bring up, but... Okay. Um,
1: Shall we uh move on to talking about uh, some Return of Ravnica stuff?
0: Shall we do a name that card first?
1: Okay. Just do a name that card.
0: Okay. We have a gold card. Okay. Actually, maybe I spoiled it by saying that.
1: <laughs> I
0: don't know. It's... CMC is four.
1: Right. Uh, Hold on, let me type four. Okay, I've got a couple in mind.
0: Um, The art is by Chris Aran.
1: (laughs) It must be really obvious from your next clue what it's going to be if you're giving me the art. Uh,
0: The flavour text (laughs) is, Weakness is not in the nature of the swarm.
1: Hmm. 4 drop Golgari Gary Card? I
0: couldn't possibly call it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Hmm. Hmm. Try think. This doesn't make good podcasting material Steve, Steve agonizing over what <laughs> possible four drops could be.
0: <laughs> you want some more information, sir?
1: No, not yet, not yet. I I um, I wanna have a stab.
0: It's okay. I I edit out a little long silences at any rate, so
1: Okay, okay. Four drop Golgari card. See Golgari one legs is too expensive. Trestle Troll trolls too small. In fact, Golgari One Legs is even gold. Spell a creature. What was the flavor text again?
0: Weakness is not in the nature of the swarm. Hmm.
1: Nah, you're gonna to to hit me up with another clue, Craig.
0: It is a fungus. Just to tell you it's a creature. Oh, man. Can you also think of any fun guys?
1: <laughs> I should be able to think of one. Bad jokes. Yeah. Uh, the haste guy's not four mana, is he?
0: Uh, if you're thinking a drag mangler, he's a three drop.
1: Is he a three drop? I don't know, Craig.
0: If I said <laughs> he was rare and he was a four-four? would that
1: help, any? People will be screaming at this, going, Steve! Don't you know anything, you fool! Doesn't sound like anything I've ever played with, Craig.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's possibly because you've never played Golgari, but... <laughs> uh, if one or more plus one, plus one counters would be placed in a crew... Oh my control. god! Place that many plus one, plus one counters...
1: Free guy.
0: Yes, the Corpse Jack
1: Menace. Yeah, okay. feel <laughs>
0: I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, it's okay, it's okay. I'm, I, I actually haven't played, that, played with that guy, but
0: no, I've not, I don't think I've played with him either. Yeah.
1: I'm going to, have to find a card for you now, hold on.
0: Do you want to go for one of the pre-release ones, I know all four.
1: I think. <laughs> right, I've got one for you, I've got one for you. Okay. Next. I've picked one up off the table. Okay. Hmm. Where do we start though? The name. Yeah. <laughs> okay, flavour text first, I think. Okay. Although Cryptwitch M- Marie vanished after a spat with Rakdos, her playthings lingered.
0: Oh, oh, oh! This oh—it's not the little one-drop guy who unleashes it. No, it's not. Uh, what's his name? Rakdos Cackler. So I don't think.
1: No, no, that's not him.
0: Okay, so she disappeared. Her playthings lingered. Um. Right, you're gonna have to hit me up for more information.
1: Okay, that's Converted Mana cost three.
0: Converted mana cost three. Um and I'm it's a Rakdos Crip Witch? is that Rakdos or Gary? Her playthings lingered on. Oh, I s I've read this recently, but I can't think of the card it was on. Um No yeah, no, I think you're gonna have to give me more, I'm afraid.
1: It has trample.
0: Blood free giant is trample, but it's a four drop and sh- Nope, you're going to have to help me up more, <laughs> I'm afraid.
1: Yay, hey, hey, I've got Craig stumped for once. Okay. Yeah. I'm, oh, the next piece of information is quite uh tricky without going for artwork or... Hmm. Okay. I really feel It, like it has this. a hybrid mana cost.
0: Oh, no. I can't think. <laughs> hybrid Rectal Scars. are three hybrid Rectal Scars, a Cryptborn Horror, rectos Cackler, and The Uncommon. Uh oh, I can cannot, cannot think of it. <laughs> it's
1: got it's a three drop with trample. It's a hybrid mana cost. <laughs> I
0: honestly can't think of it.
1: Hmm <laughs>
0: You gotta give me more I'm afraid oh, I just,
1: Okay. Oh uh hmm. This is terrible. The hybrid cost is red and black.
0: Yes. It it, it is it's exactly what I said. It's the <laughs> It's a Rakdos Uncommon, which has completely escaped my mind. I just, uh, can't think of it.
1: <laughs> I think uh, the last two pieces of information are the name and the rules text.
0: What, what creature type? Horror. It is a horror. It's not a Cryptborn horror.
1: Yes, it is a
0: Cryptborn horror. <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> I mentioned... Wait, what's the rare, then?
1: That is the rare.
0: Oh, it's not the uncommon?
1: No. Cryptbornoir's a rare three-drop with three trample. Drop. Yep. God. It's one and two Rakdos.
0: Oh, I'm such a fool. <laughs>
1: uh, it's the trample three, I think. The
0: cacklers is the sodding uncommon. The Shredfeek's <laughs> the common. I'm totally off... Oh, I even mentioned it, and I got a, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what an idiot!
1: Yeah, no, no, this week.
0: Yeah, I don't think either of us deserve anything there. God, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, I feel like such a fool. <sighs> I totally forgot. Cryptborn Horror had trample on it.
1: Yeah, I just remembered
0: yeah. the uh the whole it gets countered equal to the damage till this turn part.
1: But... Yeah, yeah. I think that would really given it <laughs> Oh, Yeah.
0: Oh. Wow, that was a failure. Maybe we should just yeah. edit all that out.
1: Maybe we should. Let's do <laughs> another. So, do you feel like uh, doing a guess that card? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, we better not. We should no. probably crack on.
1: Got, got to keep integrity, I suppose.
0: Uh Yeah, I'm not quite sure what what, what we're keeping the integrity of, but <laughs> right. Um, let us move on to our group topic. So for the last three weeks, if you haven't been uh, listening, we've been talking about how to draft the different guilds in Return to Bravica. Now we're on to part four or five, and we were only down to two guilds: Is it and Go Gary. Which one are we doing this week?
1: Ah, uh, we're doing Is it, I think, aren't we, Craig? <laughs> yes, we are doing it. I hope <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I'm just looking at completely the wrong show notes. I'm looking at like three weeks ago show notes for some reason.
0: Uh We're not doing Selesnia. <laughs> we've done Celestia. Yeah, I know. and uh and Bravica. Why that was up? <laughs> right, so uh yes, yeah, so we're talking about how to draft is it? So um I believe there's two Izit decks. So I think you think there's a third one, and the two is decks I think there are. There's a tempo based deck, which basically slows things down with detain, power draining cards, before basically launching Alpha Strike to win, and this is the deck I'm really wanting to talk about today. The other deck is effectively the controlled defender deck, which is essentially a mill deck the only reason I'm not, not really going to talk about this is because it is the Defender deck, and the Defender deck is ideally, like, I think four colours, and I don't really want to talk about non is it colours <laughs> when we're wanting to really talk about Is it. But I, I just want to make mention, I think one of the Izzet decks is the Defender-based deck with uh, Doorkeeper, uh, Hover Barrier, you're milling them, you're using Psychic Spiral for the win, and uh, you've got your Crossway Courier, which can also help you out, and then stuff, but... That's not the deck I really want to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the one of the best things about is it is it's a really flexible color in general. Mm. You can play it uh, really aggressively, or you can play a really controlling deck and get something monstrous out at the end of the game. You know, if you if you open pack one, pick one, never miss it, you can quite comfortably get him into play by controlling the game up to that point. Where is it? But at the same time. You can be just as aggressive as Rakdos. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Is there a third deck you wanted to mention
1: or? Yeah, it was, uh, it was just the Wobber Crew as a card itself. If you pick up multiples of them, you can sort of base a deck around them. Uh, basically just picking up enough multicolored cards or maybe not specifically picking up multicolored cards, but just having a bias towards multicolored cards when you're making your picks and then the a Wubber Crew heavy deck isn't necessarily a controlling deck, but it's a mid-range kind of thing where you're playing out things like your Frostburn Weirds and your Electromancers and Staticasters and other sort of multicolored creatures and other playing multicolored spells and getting all this incremental damage through multiple Wobber Crews. Yeah. So it's not like the most aggressive build and it's not the most controlling build, but it's definitely out there, and it's pretty good if you make it. It's got a lot of fun.
0: Can you mix the Lobber Crew and the Mill, or does that just try oh, to... Oh, yeah, I think things? so.
1: I think you probably could, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's any particular uh sort of Mill cards that are multicoloured that work particularly well with Lobbers, but yeah. That's true.
0: Right, Um. so moving into the cards you need, and this is specifically for the more aggressive, non-defender-y sort of... Um,
1: yeah, I deck. mean... The, the aggressive deck's definitely the way to go if you don't pull that ridiculous rare, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, so there's four cards I've sort of marked out. The two key cards or you'll need one, are Bluster Scroll and Teleportal. Because those are the way is it wins the game. You either cast Bluster Scroll for its overload cost and tap down all their guys and swing in for the win or you Teleportal, make all your guys unblockable and then swing in for the win. Yeah. I mean, I think if you get either, or if you get both, then you're in a good place to be getting a good a deck with a decent chance of winning.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, the other key card is Goblin Electromancer. He is... I mean, for a start, he's a 2-drop, two 2-2. Two, two. Bear is good. Getting a bear side of green is pretty decent, he reduces the cost of all well, your spells, well your instance and sorceries by one, which gets you to overload a lot quicker, and that's potentially where the strength of the Match lies is that overload becomes cheaper when he's out, uh, although it's also nice just to get other spells slightly cheaper now. and um yeah he he does you know he even with this monocolored spells he turns uh, inspiration into an instant speed divination and a cancel into counter spell, and you can't ask for much better than that, I don't think
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, finally, the other card, which is just good, and you kind of want him if you're in the colour, is just the Frostburn weird. He does a lot of work um, for what he is, and if you have, like, two of them even, I would happily pick up a Civic Saber, and then you've got a 3-4. Yeah. It's just, cra- they're just crazy.
1: He's a great example of the flexibility that you have with it. He's a 1-4 defender, and potentially a 3-1 attacker. 4-1 attacker. 4-1 attacker. Yeah, 4-1 yeah. attacker. Sorry, yeah.
0: And if you get the civic saber, he's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah, so you could be the saber. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I think those are the four key cards. The Blister School and Teleport will give you the win. The Latromancer makes things cheaper, and especially the overload, and you wanna be overloading if you're is it, because that's the keyword. And um yeah, frostbromers do a lot of work. I yeah. think you want them if you're playing blue or red in all honesty. Yep. In any deck, but any yep. others you think
1: we need, or you think that's um, if you're, Well, if we're specifically talking about the aggressive deck, mm-hmm. then thugs high on the list, and the Chainwalker. Pretty much the good red cards from the Rakdos deck, you want them, for your uh, that aggressive start. Because you're probably looking at filling up with two and three drops, and the top of your curve would be Bluster, Squall, or Teleport, so five drops at the top of your curve. So, basically, those sort of efficient creatures are cards you, you need, but they probably fall into the want category as well, do you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Now, my, I've written down the want category, and I think like the last couple of weeks I've almost named every single blue and red, or is it, card. But yeah. I tried to break them down into what each of them do, just so you got an idea that, uh, what the purpose of these things are, and you know, where you can replace like, one card for another, because they basically do the same thing. So to just start. There's no particular order to this. Um, Dispel, Mizzium Skin, and Syncopate are all protecting your guys. Um, Mizzium Skin especially, like, you're paying six mana for a removal spell. You're playing Tristani's Judgment, or you're playing Assassin's Strike. And Mizzium Skin's just one blue mana, and that's not happening anymore. Yeah, Or alternately, awesome. Dispel is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's one mana, you paid six, I know who's won this one. Yeah, um, You keep your guy, he's lost all his mana, and it's looking good. And yeah. Syncopate is an exceptionally strong uh, counter spell.
1: I, I think we obviously with an aggressive deck though, you, you're not wanting to fill up with too many protective cards like that that are situational. You, you need like that consistency of, I'm going to draw creatures, I'm going to play creatures, and pretty much everything else in the deck is removal. You know? So, like, these things, like, I think Dispel, Mismskin, uh, Syncopate's another matter. I think Syncopate's worth main decking. But Dispel and Mismskin are probably sideboard cards, I think. True. Yeah. Yeah? Uh, I think... But I mean, they're this... definitely good. They're definitely good. But I just feel you know, they're probably... If we're specifically talking about an aggressive deck, they're probably better sideboard.
0: Yeah. Uh In which case, um, the two... <laughs> Again, maybe this is a bit too defendery, but Skyline Predator and Lobber Crew lock down the sky and the ground while still doing something. But this is yeah. actually still too defendery.
1: Yeah, like, you're I certainly
0: not looking for Hover Barrier. That's for damn sure.
1: No, and like uh, like Skyline Predator, Lobber Crew, they're great for a sort of mid-range style. As it decks? It's just testament to the the flexibility that you, you can successfully run Skyline Predators and things. But you really don't want to be filling up your deck with too many is that six drops. Six or seven? He's a six, isn't he? The
0: predator six. Uh, Lumbercruise three.
1: Yeah, Lover Cruise value.
0: Void wielder is expensive, but I think he's still worth it because if yeah. you knock back the one guy which is holding you back, then you get a swing big.
1: Yeah, but like with void wielder is the way. Like again, flexibility. Not only can you get his guys out of the way, you can. Sort of rescue your own guys from arrests and stab wounds and things and uh get to replay them from underneath those enchantments? Yep.
0: Moving on to things which uh definitely are in the red side of is it are the removal spells. You have your annihilating fire, which is maybe asking a lot with it's double red, but it's just premium removal. Explosive impact is less colour restrictive, and hopefully it's not too expensive once you factor in electromancers. And then finally, Street Spasm is just beautiful, because it's an overload spell, and it just clears the ground for you to swing in big.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like Annihilating Fire because of the double mana cost. A lot of um, people will splash things like Stab Wounds or the Annihilating... not Annihilating Fire. Explosive Impact. But you often see like Annihilating Fire going around much later than it should, simply because people aren't willing to Or they're not able to splash it if they're not playing red as a main colour. So you end up with usually a couple of annihilating fires and it's nice. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Um, Moving on to creatures. Blood-Free Giant, Cobble Brutes, also the Splatter Thug and the Gorehouse Chainwalker. They get the hits in. um, The bigger ones can protect you from harm until you get the Overload of bluster Squall and then they're just bashing again, effectively.
1: (laughs) You've got to love blood trade, right? giant, sure. oh,
0: Yeah, he's just great.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, Cobbleroot's a bit iffy, but it works in the as a deck because it just deals with any of the big threats they're trying to yeah.
1: muscle
0: in on. And if you do get the teleportal, that's six damage just there.
1: Yeah, what I like with Brute as well. You've also got a lot of Detain, and like you say your uh, um, enchantment, the blue enchantment, Uh Paralyzing grass? Yeah, but with, like with things like Detain, you can get the defenders out of the way, so at a much Prefer cobblebrute in Is it than like in Rakdos because Rakdos doesn't really have that ability to sneak the damage through unless they've got them enchanted up with something.
0: No, I, I think cobblebrute only really goes in the Is a deck and it, they will go round. I think I've, de- I've definitely seen cobblebrutes go round, so you can kind of yep. pick them up. Light.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, trainer's instinct allows you to get through your opponent's defenses a bit like detained, but. You know probably does a bit more work than detain and uh pursuit of flight likewise gets through, and pursuit of flight is it is of course a lot better because you can just make your guys bigger and then they fly over and they don't get blocked or they deal with those pesky flyers yeah.
1: I love the idea of putting pursuit of flight on the on the big stupid cobble brute so it goes from being this uh, vanilla five to to being basically a, a dragon <laughs> it's like oh well, now I'm a seven four in the air. Yeah, the two
0: makes the cobble root pretty weak, but you slap on Pursuit of Flight, and that four toughness, not many things are killing that, and especially no. not of it's flying in the air, hitting you for seven. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, you run screaming from uh Pursuited Cobble Root. <laughs> um, Essence Backlash is a pretty strong card. It's probably starting your sideboard, but it can it can answer things which maybe nothing else can.
1: Yeah, I mean the good thing with Essence backwash is, well, it's much better when you're winning. If that makes sense. Like you've got if you've got the board set up with a lot of guys and you're attacking and you're just stopping your opponent getting back in the game with it. Yeah, it's it's not quite as good if you're on the back foot because you're having to hold open. Well, I can't respect to hold up open mana to, to play it, but it's it's just much better in. I think these aggressive decks we've set up uh that positioning in the game where you're uh you're you're ahead on the board and now you're holding up this to prevent your opponent getting back in the game and it's gonna hit him for damage and it's gonna trigger your uh what do you call it? Lumber cruise. Yeah. And it'll trigger uh gutter snipe. Yes. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, moving on to the is a charm, I think it's the most useful and flexible of charms. And getting one is just a great thing to have. Yeah. I think, I I, I say, I think this is the best charm, like, this is the one charm you really want if you're in, is it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just good, isn't it? It's good value.
0: Yeah, counter spell, or shock, or get yourself cards, I mean.
1: Yeah, it's not quite counter spell, is it? It's...
0: uh, Counter target non-creature spell, unless you pay two.
1: Is it force spike, was the... Uh, I can't recall. Could be. And two damage is shot, yeah. Yeah. It's still pretty good.
0: It is. And um the Guild Mage does work, but I'm not quite sure it was that terribly sought after.
1: Yeah. I think the um the Guild Mage is another one of these cards that's really good with these cards that trigger, like Gutter Snipe and Lobber Crew, because when you use this uh second ability, the four mana one, getting two um Say for example, annihilating fire, or I think of a multicolored spell you might be using.
0: Actually, this is something I was—I I realized this is this is another one of these rules things. If you copy a spell using Nivix, skilled mage, it's uh-huh. not being cast, so it does not trigger lobber Crew. Really? Yes, because it is simply being copied onto the stack. It is not being cast, and thus, because it's not being cast, it doesn't trigger Lobbercrew's Crew's ability. Hmm. Good thing for listeners to know as well, just in case you get caught up by that, or somebody's been trying to do that to you. Copying a spell, if it doesn't say you're casting a, a copy, it's just copying, then, ah, uh-uh, that's, that's not cast. I mean, you can still gobble it up if you got the, uh was it, the niv Elemental. It's still a spell to be gobbled, but it's not being cast.
1: Huh. That's a, that's, that makes me sad, Craig. Uh,
0: th- 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 things you pick up when um, you're a judge, or when you listen to judge podcasts. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, see, we're educational, we don't just prattle on nonsense.
1: Well. <laughs> Am I educational?
0: All the time, at least. Um yeah. uh, we're are we done with the guild Mage or
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean he's he's not the best of the Guild Mages, but he he's a looter. He
0: is a looter, yeah. Um the last card I want to talk about is well, the last two cards are your uh your card draw cards, God has a moment there. Thought flare is better than Inspiration, because you got to go through four cards, and the chances are the two you're getting rid of are land. Um, inspiration's also good, but again, you probably need some density of Electromancers to make them pretty decent, but... Yeah. I think you, you can probably easily fit a th- Thought Flare into your deck. Inspiration's maybe a bit more iffy.
1: But I don't know. I think Inspiration's definitely got a place, because it's... I think we talked about this before when we were talking about Azores, that... In, is it, you or in some maybe not this particular build we're talking about, the aggressive build, mm-hmm. but in, definitely the mid-range, and, like, even if you're going to be using, uh, Essence Backfire, or Essence Backlash, Backlash. yeah, but yeah, even if you're using Essence Backlash, the, this ability to use your mana for something else, if they just look at your open mana and say, oh, that's fine, you will leave your mana open, I'm not going to cast F and I'll just attack you. It still gives you something to you use your mana for, and it keeps your opponent thinking. So you could be holding up your mana for inspiration, but
0: they think you got something
1: else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's all the cards I want to talk about.
1: Yeah, other cards I, th- I kind of thought were worth mentioning, like Gutter Snipe's definitely worth mentioning. He's a a two-two that sits back and does damage for free. You know, he's what is he, a three mana 2-2?
0: Uh, I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and every time you cast a spell, instant speed or sorcery, he's going to do two damage to your opponent.
0: To each opponent, so it's a each lot better opponent. in multiplayer
1: yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. And uh I can't see an is it deck that wouldn't want this guy, to be honest. It depends. you are always gonna be running those instants, you know.
0: This is true. I, I was going to argue it's a question of quantity of spells,
1: but I mean, you're how probably it, right. Is it? What? Right, okay. If you had a card that said three mana for a 2-2 two, two creature? When this creature enters a battlefield, it does two damage to target opponent. i take that. Yeah. So all you need to do is cast a spell and you've got that. Cast two spells, you've got more than that.
0: You make a good argument.
1: Yeah. So the other card I was thinking, that, now we were talking about purely aggressive deck. One of the cards I pick really highly in that set of deck's is Civic Saber, and there's a few cards that go really well with it in an aggressive build. And the ones that spring to mind are the Judge's Familiar, so blue fight one one. Yeah. Who with Civic Saber becomes a three-one flyer potentially on turn two. I wish. Uh, Ragdust Cackler and Vassal Soul are also worth considering. Vassal Soul's a bit iffy because even with the Sabre, he's still two toughness, but four power in the airs. That's killing everything. Know. Yeah. Although, the, to be fair, the Cackler is the only one that's really good on his own. Like, Judge is familiar, nah. and Vassal Soul's kind of, nah, without the Sabre. So, you know, I just think they're worth bearing in mind if you're playing with the Sabre.
0: Maybe you've already picked up some Frostburn weirds or...
1: Yeah. And I think the Staticaster's pretty useful as well in a lot of situations where your guys quite don't have the power to push through their defences.
0: I think you've got to be careful how you treat Staticaster. It is not killing things. Like, it's not just wiping out birds. Most people tend not to play Armies of Birds. It's just doing that one final damage to kill a thing.
1: Mm, I don't know. I've played a couple of games where the drop like three consecutive eyes in the skies. Right. <laughs> and, Yeah. And it's like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> how did I deal with that? And it's like, I wish I had a Staticaster right now.
0: I have not seen that, but I guess that would definitely yeah. make me think Staticaster's a better card. I'm I played in the pre release and I don't think I've touched it since.
1: Yeah. The I think with Staticaster, you it's uh right here's another one of these Imaginary situations, right? Imagine Staticaster instead said, tap this creature, give target creature you control plus one, plus one. It's, uh... You'd still play that card. So this has the option of wiping out a bunch of 1-1 flyers, or a 3-1 Sky Knight, or a 2-1 Arrester. There's a bunch of 1-1 toughness guys. But, as well as that, where is it you're playing with a lot of two-power guys and a lot of three-power guys, like your um, thugs, the Chainwalkers. I'm trying to think of other ones, but you, you, there's not a lot of four-power guys. Yeah. So when you're attacking in, like your opponents, you're looking at Tauron Indrix and Trestle Trolls. Admittedly, they've got Re- Regenerate. But when you're attacking a Centaur with a two-power guy, Stat caster's really handy. When you're attacking in a four-power guy... With a three-power guy, is really handy just to finish, finish them off and make them think twice about bull walking. Hmm.
0: I guess it has its role.
1: Yeah, I think he's really good, to be honest.
0: Okay. Right, I think we've talked about the cars long enough, we should now talk about the ability.
1: Oh, so, sorry.
0: uh Overload's the ability for, is it right?
1: Yes. No. Ah, you scumbag! I caught you again. Oh, man.
0: It's just like Unleash. So overload is a keyword which represents two static abilities, one that functions from any zone in which a spell of overload can be cast, and another which functions while the card is on the stack. So uh, you probably know this already, but overload means you may choose to pay whatever the overload cost is rather than pay the spell's mana. And if you choose to pay the overload cost, then you change every instance of the word target to each. And this is an alternative cost. So one of the key things about overload is if you're flashing back an overload card, you cannot flash it back for its overload cost. Because flashback is an alternate cost. Overload is an alternate cost. You can't pay two alternate costs. Yeah. So don't try to do anything funny with overload. Just warning you. Yeah. Uh Also, if a player chooses to pay the overload cost of a spell, that spell does not require any targets. Which means, again, uh, affect objects that couldn't be chosen as legal targets if it was cast without its overload cost. So, if they've got a, r- was a rampaging rhino, which is a hexproof creature, yes, you can cast Street Spasm on a rampaging rhino, but you can overload it and kill it that way. Yes. And that's kind of overload in a nutshell. I don't think there's much more yeah. to it.
1: Um, the, um, it's interesting when they start changing words around on cards and they replace a whole word like that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just a... Oh, no, I don't even know if I'm going this screen.
0: Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it it can be confusing. It, basically they've they've made sure they've worded all the overload cards carefully, which means you're never going to affect yourself with it. It's always a creatures, opponents control. Yeah. Or creatures you control. You're never going to accidentally kill the wrong, like kill your creatures with an overload of mizium mortars. You're not going to tap down your creatures with a cyclonic rift. So it's very carefully worded. But if you're in a multiplayer game, remember, it affects everyone. Yeah. So, uh, which is where Overload has been actually really nice, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: just saying. Right, so we move on to how to deal with the other guilds?
1: Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. So, where should we start? Should we go for Slesnia. Yeah,
0: just start there.
1: Okay, right. Uh, I think your main issue with Slesnia is that all their guys are really big. I mean, they're not ridiculously big, but they're usually going to be bigger than your guys. Yeah. So, you're looking at three threes, 3s and we were talking about the Terran Indrick before, the two fours. 4s uh, They've got guys with Reach, which can stop your Flyers. I mean, your Flyers aren't that impressive anyway, because you've got... I'm trying to think what you have is, is that you've got the 2-1 Flyer, the Drake, but he can't use his point ability. You know, uh, what else have you got? The the 10 guy, the big 3-3. Three three. I mean, I don't think it's that, that great in the air. No. Yeah, you'd think it would be playing blue, but... Yeah. So, I mean, we have got to think about what Selesnia's main plan is. Slesnia's trying to basically uh, overrun you with a lot of tokens. So, the the problem you've got is that that actually happens really quickly. Like, you're playing an aggressive strategy, but the Selesnia guy's not far behind you. You know, he's dropping three threes turn two potentially. Yeah. Um Yeah. So Lesnar also has access to the White Flyers, which block your flyers really well as well. And another thing to be aware of with them is they're they're trying to kill your guys with with combat tricks and uh you know the fight removal spells. So this the, the removal they've got access to is mostly enchantment based. Am I wrong in saying that? They've got Tristani's Judgment, but that's really expensive and you're hoping to win the game before they get to that stage.
0: Judgment oh. and Arrow.
1: Yeah.
0: Triangle. Oh, oh yeah, leverage. Arrow too. Okay. Yeah, I don't... But certainly yeah. Arrest and... What else is there? Soul Tive. Yeah. Detain, if you count that.
1: Yeah, I suppose so, but it's not really removal so much. The, I think the point I was making is that this is a deck that Dispel does come in against. Because the removal that they've got, well, the, 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 most of the time, they're trying to kill your creatures with combat tricks, or enchantments, I think. I could be wrong in saying that, but the, so like, if you bring in the spell here, then you've got an answer for that, basically. The, and it stops, uh, the populate machine going as well. The essence backlash we were talking about earlier gets better against them as well. Mm -hmm. So like, because, just because they're playing big guys, um,
0: so um we've got sure guys are smaller than Selesnias. A card like Electricary gains a lot of value. You know, your two twos can trade for their three threes. Yeah. Um and to be honest, Electricary, like Staticaster can also deal with birds if that becomes a problem. Yeah. Um the other thing is Civic Sabre evens the odds a bit. I mean, sure you're again, your guys are trading, but at least you know you're trading up effectively.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it can can answer your bluster squaws and teleporters with like the eyes in the skies and things, but I wouldn't be overly worried about it because they're only really going to stop part of it, you know, with the uh, instant speed one ones coming out of the play. You know,
0: the worst thing is that they still deliver into your teleportals because that that you swing in for the kill and then you do absolutely no damage and then you're mm-hmm. tapped out. I mean, but let's that, just ignore it. That's not going to happen.
1: No, especially if you're uh, sideboarding in the, the disc spells. <laughs> exactly, see? Yeah.
0: The, the I like combo. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right, uh, move on to Azorius? Yeah, I suppose so.
0: So, uh with Azorius, again, maybe you're not playing tons of flyers, but just note his are generally going to be better than yours. I mean, sure, you share blue, and maybe you both got Vassal Souls, but... He's uh, he's gonna have more of them, and he's gonna be able to use them better, especially like the tower tree, because he's got the white mana.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's basically got access to the best players in the in the game, mm-hmm. the resource guy. So you're not going comp- You're not gonna be able to compete in there. Yeah. You
0: know? No. Um. He's also got high toughness, ground blockers. Um. What are we looking at here? Like the bizarre Crowvod?
1: Well, more armory guard. I was thinking.
0: Ah, uh, it- yes, of course.
1: Two five kills a lot of your guys. He comes down turn four. He can just be a pain, especially if they've got a gate and he's got vigilance, because he's you know he's a bit tough to block as well, you know. Yeah, I was just thinking that the advantage you have over he- over him here is you have access to burn spells, and your five damage spell could you probably want to use it to kill him to the face, but it does kill these guys if they're in your way, you know. Yep. That's about the only thing it does. I think it's access to, you, especially if they get vigilance on the go because you're not. They're not tapping down through your paralyzing grass.
0: That's true. That is very true. I've uh, I've made that mistake in the past. Slapped mm. a paralyzing grassman Armory guard, and then he played a gate next turn.
1: Oh god! Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, not not that good.
1: Skymark Rock. Skymark Rock. I shall get my tongue back in. <sighs> He's a real pain for you as well because he bounces a lot of your guys. You know your your attacking guy, because it's toughness he works off, isn't it? Um. Toughness to a power to. I can't remember exactly. I think it's toughness to or less guys you can bounce every turn. And he's a real pain because you're, a lot of your attackers are low power, like your cobbled root and things and, you know, he's a guy that needs to be answered with an annihilating fire or something. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, cars to consider, um Similarly, Electric Arena and Staticaster are still good. I mean, White has a lot of one-toughness guys.
1: Yeah, especially Sky Knight.
0: Yeah, Sky Knight. Um, The Azorius Arrester, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, if he's playing Burge as well. A lot of his guys have low power, so your high-toughness dudes do get better. So Splatterthog, uh, Bloodray Giant, they're good examples of dudes you can bash it with.
1: Yeah. Especially
0: with saying he's got the first strike as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you also get a lot of value out your rubber Cruise and Gutter because the games just tend to go that little bit longer against Azores because he's detaining things all the time. You get more time to play spells and more triggers off of these cards. And I think we mentioned when we were talking about Azores, I don't think Azores has a really good way to deal Gutter because, you know, he can arrest him, doesn't stop the ability. He can bounce him, play him and next time. Ending turn. arrow,
0: I suppose. Just need to have the mana up at the right time.
1: Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. But, uh, Avenger Avenging not, Avenging Arrow's not really a...
0: Yeah, good card.
1: Yeah, but one that's getting picked up a lot, you know?
0: It's not one you want to play, now.
1: No. You might, might see it, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, main problem with Rak- Rakdos is obviously the size of the assault at the start of the game. The creatures are really big, and they're coming at you hard and fast, really. You're... Frostburn weirds are pretty good for stopping the initial assault. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is they've also backed that up with probably the best removal available in the set.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, so, uh, and of course you're playing Unleashed guys, so things like Stabwound are really good against you, because if like, you play something like a Splatter Thug, they, uh, Stab wound on Splatterthug's pretty brutal because you're now attacking with a 1-1 which he's never going to block and you can't block with it to get rid of him. You've got to find some other way of killing him, you know? Yeah. I suppose the advantage you've got over Rakdos is they have a lack of flyers here. Like, although your flyers are a little underwhelming, you've got, you know, air superiority against Rakdos, I think. Yeah. You know? And it's fairly... <laughs> it's actually a really uh kind of weak advantage in your favour, is that most of his guys can't block. <laughs> so
0: I mean, okay, he's bashing in with his splatter thugs and uh his dead revellers. But Cobble Brute's bigger. Yeah? Yeah. You yeah. can't block Cobble Brute even though it's got two toughness, so
1: Yeah, and like uh again you've got the tane on your side here as well, so if he does leave back uh something that can block, you can usually have something in your hand to to stop it. Like you play your uh, Soulsworn Spirit or something on time, or you know, there's a few detained creatures that work for you. Yep. Uh, I think Chemist's Tricks are a good card here. It's maybe not a main deck card most of the time, but it's a good card against Rakdos because it's a deck that doesn't have many defenders unless, say, they're running Ogre Jailbreakers yeah. and they've not got a gate. But I think the chance of them actually running Jailbreakers without gates is, uh, pretty unlikely. So they if they've got them, they're gonna have enough gates to get them working. Yeah. So, Chemistry Trick kinda of doubles as a second bluster squall for you, just to tap them out. Pursuit of Flight becomes better for you, because of his lack of fires. I suppose that's your main, uh, way of taking advantage of his, his lack of fires. Again, talking about Cobble Brook, but, but anything with Pursuit of Flight on it becomes pretty good. Uh, one Giant with a Pursuit of Flight. Nice! Yeah, that's pretty nice. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Tormel Stab Wounds, and you know he's going to be running them. Void Wielder and Fairy Imposter, they both help get rid of them.
1: Oh, yeah, of course, yeah.
0: Uh, yep. They can also bounce, well, uh, Void wielder can bounce to the one defender they're maybe holding back, and then you can get him, so.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, that's, it's always good to have a way of removing those enchantments of guys, and there's a few enchantments that's quite good to reset off your guys by bouncing them with a the fairy or the void wall the void wall there yeah I
0: think they wrapped up Rakdos
1: I think so yeah right uh,
0: so uh, moving on to the last guild and we're talking about Golgari um, again because he's in green you gotta worry about big green creatures which could be a problem you know they, they can turn yeah. they'll class you
1: the thing is with Golgari they're even bigger because they, they, they get bigger over the course of the game
0: yeah you know? with uh Scavenge, of course. Yeah. And they'll also be playing uh defenders like Axe Bay and Guardian, and probably Ogre Jailbreaker, you'd imagine, as well. Yeah. Which uh, makes it difficult just to get through them.
1: Yeah. I find, though, that when you're playing Golgari, the Golgari player's usually unwilling to trade away his um, his defenders early on. Mm-hmm. So like, if he goes turn one... Uh, gatekeeper, uh, turn to gatekeeper vine. And then you're attacking in with something like, uh, goblin and electromancer. He'll probably just take the two because he wants those defenders to count when he plays his axe guardians. And he certainly doesn't want to block with his axe bane guardian because that's his route to getting big guys out. And then, so the first real blocker you meet is probably trestle troll at four toughness. Is that a three drop? I think it is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it is. With regenerate. And then even on that turn, he doesn't want to block with it because he wants to regenerate it next turn. So you, you, you can actually get a pretty aggressive start against Golgari because you, know, you think they've got these defenders at their disposal, but it's whether they're willing to trade them or not for your for your guys, you know? Mm-hmm. I suppose, like, Syncopate and Is it Charm go up in value with, the, with, his, with his more expensive casting costs? True. So, like he's going to have less mana available to actually pay the two for the Zitcharm or whatever you've got for Syncopate, you know. Uh, It's maybe even worth considering Uh as a destroy artifact, (laughs) because I know when I play Golgari, I like to jam in quite a few key runes just to accelerate and get the ramp in. So, Batterhorn maybe has a place against Golgari, but I mean, it's got a place against anything which running in key rooms, I suppose. It's just a big power guy who has a nice added-on effect when he comes into the battlefield.
0: True. Uh, one thing I'm going to shout out to we haven't touched on Golgari yet, don't think counterspells work against Scavenge. Scavenge is not a spell, it's an ability.
1: Oh yeah, I know, I know.
0: I- I'm just I'm just shouting that out there in case anybody thought they could counterspell. The Scavenge. Yeah. It, it uh, doesn't work like
1: that. What, one thing, watch out. The Golgari player will try and do if it looks like you're holding up counter mana. They will deliberately run Scavenge cards into your counter spells, just because. Well, he knows he's getting something countered, and he'd much rather have the Scavenge card in the graveyard than a like, sex proof guy or whatever. So, you know, it's just want to be aware of. They will try and tease out your counter spells with Scavenge cards.
0: So pay attention to what you're countering before you slap that counter down.
1: Yeah. Cool,
0: I think we're then done. Yeah. Excellent. Um, In which case... Right, so, obviously earlier we were talking about how I've been working on a magic set. Yeah. And I said I didn't really want to get into what it was about because I figured we could have a little competition.
1: Ooh.
0: I'm thinking... Same with listeners, and I, I know they do get they give us feedback. They haven't the last week, but that's because I don't think the episode's been easily accessible the last week, unfortunately. But um, I, we do normally get feedback, and I'm thinking, yeah, how about we're in a competition for the listeners? So, I, I'm, at the moment, I'm in a pretty early stage of building my set. Like, as I say, I've just done the commons, they're, they're definitely aware that I will probably be changing them over time as I add in my own comments and try to make things fit. But, as I say, I don't quite have a really good mechanic for it yet. Like, transfer is a nice little thing to have. Affinity for auras works alongside it, but that's not really something you can sell set on. That's not something Hmm. which really grabs you and uh, entices you in. So, I was thinking people can submit their own homebrewed mechanics. I mean, it could be based on other stuff. And then, the best one not only will we mention the show, but it will go into my custom set. And yeah. notably, over time, I will be talking about it and they can have this pride in knowing that their mechanic made it in and, you know, it will be talked about for years to come. And when <laughs> it Yes, when, when I join Wizards and make it part of their set, they'll look at it with pride and go, I did that. Yeah. And maybe stole my idea and got a job off of it.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, cool.
0: So, yeah... Um, if you want to base your mechanic off something else, I mean, if you want to do double unleash, you certainly can. I mean, I will point out that obviously I'll be grabbing whatever I thinks the best, like the most balanced, the most exciting. If you just sort of copy, then sure, it's an entry. And if you're the only one, then maybe you'll win. But just just having Unleash for two—that
1: is a possibility.
0: <laughs> don't say that. I I know we have at least two listeners.
1: Yay! Hi guys.
0: Because uh, I've, I've 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 been talking on Twitter with at least two people, so we have at least two listeners.
1: Are they nice? Are they nice listeners?
0: They de- they they are. They definitely yeah, are.
1: Thanks for listening, guys.
0: <laughs> so uh yeah so um yes we'll keep that competition open. I'm um, I'm not sure. I may keep it over two weeks. It maybe depends how quickly this episode gets out. Yeah. Uh one thing I will say yeah there's so we are available in two different places, MTG Casts very graciously hosts us for absolutely nothing they don't ask anything from us and it's a great community to be a part of and I'm very happy that we're there but because I have to submit the podcast to them there is a delay in how long it takes before it's up on their website so I always make sure as soon as I've edited up the podcast it's up on our website daldraft.tumblrcom and it's propagated through t- Tumblr not Tumblr Twitter and Facebook as well so if you're really desperate to get it, you can kind of look for it late on a Wednesday night, assuming I've done it then. And you can get it quicker there. But generally, MTGcast will be the best place to go for it, because that's, they will host all of our shows. Mm. I normally only keep like an episode or two available on our own website. Because we do not have the same sort of, uh, capacity as they do, so. So, just letting you know. Yay. Right. Can we wrap this show up then? I think we can. Cool. Uh, in which case, I want to say a thank you to our two listeners for listening.
1: Hey, thanks guys.
0: Uh, remember if you want to get in touch with us you can via Tumblr, Facebook, Gmail and Twitter. So it's Delving into Draft pretty much everywhere except for Twitter, Rabag underscore. Your hosts for this week were me, Craig, and you Steve. Yay! The intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is The Cannery and it's through to free music license under Creative Commons by Tributation 3.0.